Welcome back, everyone, to the Horror Shed Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jared. Down here, we have the one and only South Jersey, Jason. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I am hyped the hell up. Let's go over some quick stuff real quick. All right. I made some notes. So we hit 194 subs. That's 78 subs in 28 days. Nice. I'm very happy about that. You know, it's kind of weird. 28 days, we're doing the Warren Files, I, <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Um, our filming location video hit 3,000 views. What it's, is it, like 10,000 and they put like the little ads in there? No, you got to be monetized no. for the ads. That's It's all right, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. Um, and Halloween Horror Nights announced that they're doing The Last of Us House. I just saw that when I was uh, on my porcelain throne. <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of that dinner. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. Um, so I watched a lot of shit, actually. I watched the uh, Robert England documentary. It was fantastic. And they don't... I try. I tried to stream it for free but it's not loading so i might have to subscribe to watch it it was worth the 4.99 okay was it about two hours long a little longer i think it was closer to two and a half oh nice yeah so okay, i was happy about nice. that then um i watched renfield i liked Good it movie. i was a fan it was funny it was fun it was fun i knew going in it wasn't going to be the horror movie of the year. I knew what to expect, and it didn't disappoint. Uh, Nicholas Cage shined as Dracula. I really liked the beginning, the little homage to the original Dracula. Yeah, yeah, but Nicholas Holt did a great job as Renfield. Um, Aquafina was amazing. You know what? You said you saw her in the Ten Rings. I barely remember that movie. So, well, she has she a was- show out too. uh, right yes i did see that i didn't know she was a rapper (laughs) she does a lot of shit she's she's fucking hilarious i love her she cracks me the hell up um one thing i don't like like the smoke looked awesome when dracula turned the smoke it looked really Mm -hmm. good the bats looked great why the blood looked terrible what put the money in the blood too yeah you know, and I really didn't like the um the i felt like the actor that played the the son i don't know i just he just didn't mesh well with me i didn't like him that well but the funniest part was when he snorts the centipede <laughs> that is i forget his name but he was in space force he was hilarious in that oh, i didn't see that he okay. was in parks and rec he was hysterical in that didn't see he's that. the voice of sonic too is he really yeah i did not know god that. i cannot I remember first, his name i watched the first sonic but uh all right. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought the pacing was good. Um, the woman who played his m- mom, I think she was like a villain in 24. I've seen her somewhere where she was like the. Yeah, I cartels. think it was 24. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you say that, I think it says that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I watched anything. I know I watched Renfield. I revisited Terrifier the other night. Okay. I uh, started watching Terrifier 2, but I fell asleep. I mean, maybe so goddamn long. Um, but uh, over at the whole damn enchilada, they're doing like a Ryan's never watched them. So they just reviewed uh, uh, I All Hallows Eve. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't 
I'm almost done listening to their podcast. They had just they're just giving like their final thoughts on it, and I'm interested to see if they do a dick of the week. Um, so yeah, I didn't see. I'm trying to think if I watched any other horror. Oh, I watched. Um, I revisited because I got it on 4K. Uh, the Fog. Okay. So that was really really good. Um, and I got some new vinyl in. I got uh, Waxwork just re-released. Friday Thirteenth Part Three through Six, so I I got them all, which is the you know I'll listen to it eventually. But the artwork on them is just amazing. Oh, that's, that's awesome! Really, yeah, and um, I'm not sure if we talked about it last week, but uh, Harry Man and Frandini let it slip that. He's working He's on the new the, the yeah. new game. And speaking of the game, they um just announced Gamenia just announced that as of December twenty third, I think it is, they're shutting the servers down. So I guess they won't have the rights anymore. So if you have online capability, play for it. Play it until the twenty third. And I just reserved, even though I don't have the system yet, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Five. Oh, okay. PlayStation 5 or cool. Part 5 Texas Chainsaw Massacre for PlayStation 5 39.99 that ain't bad price. which yeah. means it'll be a full multiplayer game yeah it, it is um, I'm kind of wondering if they'll do like a single like offline type thing because I really don't want to play with other uh, no. people but if I have to I have to yeah and I watched the new Peacock special the new series um with uh based on uh, the true story true story how is that it was fun it's crazy okay. now it's based on true story right i don't think it is i really oh, okay. hope it's not <laughs> it's basically about this couple that team up with a serial killer to create the best podcast and they get in all these situations oh, okay. Oh, okay that's with kelly cuoco which i love her in big bang theory yeah that that's not hard to hard to watch yeah ah <laughs> <laughs> oh. We don't have any of our cast on here. Where's Shelly? I'm about to text her. <laughs> or uh, where's Rick Paulton at? <laughs> I think he's recording tonight, if I read correctly. Oh, okay. I got you. Gotcha. Which is good, because I need some more driving fuel. There you go. Where are you off to next week? Actually, I'm home for three days. I got oh, some haunt. Shit. Actually, Halloween Haunts 365 hit 500 subs. So we are at 505. So our goal is 501. this will eventually beat it we it's more topic so we'll catch more peak interest yeah speaking of halloween haunts i saw reapers shared the image of the new building like bigger than my fucking house (laughs) and they put it up in like two weeks (laughs) now i'm gonna talk to todd from there on wednesday so i'm looking forward to that interview i gotta think of a show for this week I got nothing. Mm. And I only got really, I got shit going on Saturday during the day, Father's Day, Sunday. So I got to think of something off the hip for tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So I guess that's, that's pretty much what we did. Um, yeah. So let's move on to the Snedeker house. So let me put our B bullshit meter up here. Cause we were at five. <laughs> I'm watching it on Twitch. There we go. All right. Brian wanted a meter that we could activate, so I made that happen. Nice. Like a goddamn magician over here. <laughs> All right. So, if you guys like butt sex, this is the episode for you. 
Were you able to track down that uh, video on YouTube? Oh, yeah. Videos? We got a ton oh, of that on here. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we got four parts of that video on here. Nice. We might get taken down for it, but I don't give a fuck. So, well, if it's on regular YouTube, why would it get... And if it hasn't gotten taken down on I YouTube? just got blocked for a fucking movie trailer on The Haunts. Uh, that's right, you told me that, yeah. So... If it does get blocked, I'll leave it in notes, but the audio, you'll still hear it, because they can't do shit about that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the Snedeker family. <clears throat> this is the story that came up with The Haunting in Connecticut, that great movie we watched with the fucking crazy ending that was mm -hmm. fantastic. I, I really enjoyed that movie. So, the first place I went was Nesper, because that's where all the Warren cases are. So this, this happened in 86, right? So that's mm -hmm. almost 40 years ago. Nesper has the notes for this haunting behind a fucking paywall. A paywall? What's that? It means you gotta pay to read it. You gotta join their uh, little club. Oh, okay. Hey, gotcha. Tony Spira. <laughs> so how'd you get this? Did you find I another? found more shit. Nice. I found okay. more stuff. But really, bro? Really? He is trying to make that last dollar. Like, that's just pathetic like make more mm -hmm. content if you're worried about money that's right, all i'm gonna right. say yeah all right so in 1986 the snedeker family alan and carmen and her three sons daughter and two nieces moved into a simple white duplex rental home in southern southington connecticut that had at one time been a funeral home in the basement, they found various mortuary items, including a hoisting apparatus for coffins, a medical gurney, blood drains, and toe tags. Soon enough, mm. the Snedekers were reporting all kinds of evil, including sexual attacks, apparitions, and abrupt violent personality changes. I wonder changes. if they used a hoisting apparatus for any kinky stuff. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it put the butt easier for the <laughs> demon to reach. <laughs> An abrupt, violent personality changes in their oldest son, who was undergoing treatments for Hodgkin's disease. Ed and Lorraine Warren, the Connecticut demonologists who were involved in the infamous Amityville horror case, investigated the house and officially proclaimed it possessed, and then launched a major media campaign around it. Of course they did. Eventually, other facts emerged, including the troubled nature of the oldest son, who besides having a drug habit, was diagnosed with schizophrenia and admitted to some of the vileness going on in the Snedrical household. In addition, during the entire time the pandemonium was in full swing, the upstairs neighbor lived without incident. Most damning is the testimony of the author hired to write the original book for the Warrens and Snedekers, Ray Garten. Garten eventually went on the record that not only was he giving conflicted stories from the Snedekers, he was also given directions to ignore those conflicts and sensationalize the story. That didn't stop the story from being popular. In 2002, the Snedeker case resurfaced when a documentary on the events aired on television. I remember watching that. In 2009, it was popularized again when the film The Haunting in Connecticut was released in theaters. So, um... I wonder why they didn't, in that movie, they didn't add the Warren into that movie. I don't know. Yeah. I remember watching um, on the on the DVD, they had, like, the interview with the mom. And as she's talking about, you know, everything going on in the house, the crucifix that was on the wall behind her fell off. Oh, the wall. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. 
The Snedekers moved out of the house a long time ago, and no reports of supernatural activity have been reported from any of the subsequent owners. So, should we add a bullshit meter? Yes. Alright, let's ping it. It's number six. Alright. So guys, just in case you know, the Warrens, very, very popular, but we've caught them in some couple lies in this series. So, so the five was from before, yes, correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. Cause we, I watched the, I watched the, um, parent family earlier and I believe I counted five. Okay. Gotcha. This is an article from NBC news. The new film, the haunting in Connecticut tells the story of the Snedeker family who in 1986 rented an old house in Southington, Connecticut. Alan and Carmen Snedeker moved in with their daughter and three young sons. While exploring their new house, Carmen found strange items in the basement, tools used by morticians. The family soon discovered, to their horror, that the home had been once a funeral parlor, and the eldest son began seeing ghosts and terrifying visions. The experience spread to other family members and got worse. Both parents said they were raped and sodomized by demons. One day, as Carmen mopped the kitchen floor, the water suddenly turned blood red and smelled of decaying flesh, and so on. Finally, the family contacted a pair of self-styled demonologists and ghost hunters, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who arrived and proclaimed the Snedeker house to be infested with demons. This house demons! demons. <laughs> it's always a fucking demon. The scariest part, it's all true, supposedly. The Snedekers have told their, fa their story many times, including on national talk shows and in a Discovery Channel TV show. The film's poster states in capital letters at the top that the movie is based on true events, yet others aren't so sure. Investigator Joe Nickel reports in the May and June issue of Spectacle Inquirer magazine that the Snedeker's landlady found the whole story ridiculous. She noted that nobody before or since had experienced anything unusual in the house, and that the Snedeker family stayed in the house for more than two years before finally deciding to leave. Apparently, being assaulted and raped by Satan's minions for months at a time wasn't good enough reason to break the lease. <laughs> the Snedeker story first came to light in a horror novelist Ray Garten's 1992 book, In a Dark Place, The Story of a True Haunting. In an interview in Horrorbound magazine, Garten discussed how the true story behind the haunting in Connecticut came out. Garten was hired by Ed Lorraine Warren to write with the Snedekers and write the true story of their house from hell. He interviewed all the family members about their experiences and soon realized there, were, there was a problem. I found that the accounts of the individual Snedekers didn't quite mesh. They couldn't keep their stories straight. I went to Ed with this problem. Oh, they're crazy, he said. You got some of the story. Just use what works and make up the rest. Just make it up and make it scary. Mm. Bullshit meter number seven. We'll see a change. Garden, who accepted yeah. the job, expecting to have a real true story to base the book on, did as he was told. I used what I could, made up the rest, and tried to make it as scary as I could. Though the Snedekers stand by their story, it seems there is little or no proof that anything supernatural occurred at the house. Whether or not the Snedekers actually believed their story, they stood to make money from the book deal. They were aware that the Lutz family of Amityville profited handsomely from selling their rights to the true story of a haunted house, the Amityville Horror, has long since been revealed as a fiction by investigator Rick Asuna. Rick Asuna is not an investigator. He's a writer. Right. Who believed everything Ronnie DeFeo ever fucking told him. Was that the lawyer? No, Rick Asuna no? was the guy that wrote the book. Okay. 
and others. Interestingly, the Warrens were also involved in the Abney case. Fiction passed off as a memoir or a true story is certainly nothing new, from William Peter Blatty's book and film The Exorcist to James Frey's debunked bestseller A Million Little Pieces. Filmmakers have a long history of touting movies as being based on true stories, when in fact they have little or no connection to any real events. As for The Haunting in Connecticut, Garton notes, I suspect the movie will begin with the words based on a true story, but be warned, just about anything that begins with any variation of that phrase is trying a little too hard to convince you of something that probably isn't true. By Benjamin Radford. Alright. Let's watch the first video from the Sally Jesse Raphael <laughs> of the fucking Snedekers. Take note of some things. When Carmen and Alan Snedeker moved into their suburban home in Connecticut, they thought it was perfect. Little did they know what evil lurked inside the woodwork. They say their new house, which was once a funeral parlor, was haunted by ghosts. One of the children slept downstairs in the basement, which used to be the morgue. There, a gruesome blood-stained wall remained, along with a chain-powered body lift once used to bring corpses from the basement to the first floor. Night after night, the family says they heard strange voices, loud music and haunting footsteps in the house, yet no one was there. Then the most chilling thing happened to Carmen while she slept next to her husband. She says she was raped and sodomized by a grotesque demon who jumped on her in bed. The Snedekers tried to get help from their neighbors and even the police, but no one seemed to listen. Finally, in a desperate cry for help, they found real-life Ghostbusters who advised them to move out immediately. The Snedekers say they've never been back since. You're probably saying to yourself about now, well, this story sounds crazy, but my guest today insists it's true. Meet Al and Carmen Snedeker. They are here with their son, Michael, and their niece, Kelly. Later in the show, we'll talk with neighbors, including one who now lives in the very same house the Snedekers claim is haunted. He says that Al and Carmen are making up the story. Mm. Carmen, we're going to start with you. You moved into this house in the first place because your son Stephen was in the middle of receiving treatments for cancer at a local hospital. And the house you moved into was a former funeral parlor. Can you take us through the layout of the house? Yes, as you came in the front door, there was a beautiful wood entrance with an excellent hall stairway that went up to the second apartment. That's the apartment I saw first before I moved in. I didn't know it was a funeral home. When I came in the first time, the downstairs was full of workmen and woodworking things of lumber and hammering things going on. So I saw the upstairs apartment. I didn't realize it was a funeral home. As you go through the hallway to your left, was what used to be the chapel, was our dining room. In the back of it was the kitchen. There was a back door. As you walked out the back door, there were French doors. If you'd go in those French doors, it led down into the basement or into our bedroom. When you went into the basement, there was the morgue and where they prepared the bodies. The hoist went up into our bedroom above us. There was a blood tank to the right of the staircase. And then as you walked through there, there was the sink where they flushed the, the blood and things of that nature, and they prepared the bodies, and there was makeup and wax and things like that in there. There were three coffin pillows. Then as you come through, there was a tool room where they kept the little head things, where they put the name of the person, little metal plaques. You went on through. That was the north coffin room. 
That's where my son Stephen slept. That was his bedroom. You made a right. You went into the south coffin room. That's where Michael slept. As you go up the stairs, you go directly into the bathroom. Back around, there's a U-shape into a beautiful living room with a sunroom. With, I, there were over 22 windows. Then there were two more bedrooms. Kelly and my daughter and other niece slept in the other one. Herman, although your children told you they heard strange sounds and noises and they saw ghosts, you didn't believe them at first? No, I didn't believe them. I didn't believe in ghosts. I thought that they were things of imagination. I'd always been taught that. Uh, my oldest boy, Stephen, came to me the day we moved into the house, and he said, we have to leave here immediately. The house is evil. It's really evil. Something bad's going to happen if we stay. I told him that houses could not be evil, because I didn't believe they could. What changed your mind? My mind was changed uh, uh, over a year later when Kelly and Trish moved in with us. One night after a date, Kelly came into the house. Kelly's your niece. Yes, Kelly is right beside me. Uh, she came in from a date, and she tried to go into her bed, and something started happening to her, and she came to our bedroom where I was sleeping, and she said, Aunt Carmen, Aunt Carmen, come flick. It's coming. It's coming again. It's happening again. I grabbed my Bible from the nightstand, and I'm saying to myself, I've got to find something to put all of these ghost stories to rest. I've had it up to here with ghost stories. I didn't believe in them. I'd never seen anything. And I thought it was all because it was a former funeral home. Now, Kelly, you're the niece. You came to live with your aunt. Yeah. And you say you were molested by an entity. Tell me about that. Well, it all started when I, um... I can't. She came home from a date. Yeah. Okay, Kelly came in, in from a date, and she went into her bedroom, and she tried to lay in bed, and she felt something come up underneath the covers towards her, and it was pulling at her undergarments and touching her in her private areas. She reached over for her rosary, and the cross came off. That's when she got up and ran into the room with me. A few other things happened to her. I'll let her tell you about them if she can. Um, the covers would me pulling off the bed. There would be um, voices, a lot of scratching on the walls. The, the bed didn't always do it. It did it more in Aunt Carm's room than anywhere, but it would, like, breathe, kind of like. Kelly, what did the apparition, apparition look like? Did it, uh, it did you see a full have a person? Form. It was just a black mass. Just a black mass. Yeah. Was there a hand? You said you felt something? Um, I felt it, you couldn't see it. I couldn't see it because it was behind me, but it was like a huge, it was just freezing cold. It was like a hand on my back. And it would just like, when I, I was laying on my, this side, and this bra strap would always be pulled down. And I always slept in my underclothes, you know, my bra and stuff went out the bed. That's just, mm -hmm. And it would be being tugged down. And you'd pull it back up, and it usually, you know, when you're laying on that side, that just doesn't happen. And I got up to get the rosary, and I laid back down in the bed. And when I did that, my hand, I was holding the rosary in my hand, and it was like something was, you know, trying to open my hand up. And it would, it would start pulling on my covers, pulling them to the floor. And then after that happened, I, I got up and ran into Aunt Carm's room. And she got up to come in with me. She brought her Bible. This had happened before. 
something similar. And she didn't believe me. She'd just bring the Bible in, and she would sit down, and she would start telling me the Hail Mary, up the rosaries, and reading the Bible, and trying to calm me, and talk to me, and tell me I was just having nightmares or something. I truly didn't believe her. I thought that the elder boy had gotten her all excited about the stories of the funeral home and the ghost he had seen. When I went into her bedroom, I sat with her, and I was opening it and reading from the Bible, and she wrapped around me. She was so excited. Can you feel it coming? Can you feel it coming, Aunt Carmen? It's coming. And I, I pushed her back. And the third time she did that and I pushed her back, I saw an arm, the knuckles, the joints, and the wrist, go up under her long nightshirt, up over her breast, and back through the wall. At that point, I realized something was going on. I grabbed her, ran into what used to be the chapel to use the phone, and there's where I called. All right. What are your thoughts on that video so far? Well, <clears throat> the first thing I noticed was her holding a rosary. Yep. And then and the Bible. Down, and the Bible. But I just love that. That's probably what, late 80s. And I love that it looked like uh, the dad was wearing a velvet shirt with silk or whatnot. And the sun was all decked out. But uh, whenever I think about like, being raped by a ghost i think a scary movie too when tori spelling starts getting molested by the ghost and then she takes over <laughs> yep. all right so chasingthefrog.com did movie verse truth i'll read a couple of these and we'll go to the next video did the eldest son have cancer yes the real life matt campbell philip snedeker had a cancer of the immune system called hodgkin's lymphoma did they move to be near a hospital Yes, the haunting in Connecticut true story reveals that the real family, the Snedekers, moved on June 30th, 1986 from upstate New York to 208 Meridian Avenue in Southington, Connecticut to be near Yukon Hospital for their son's cobalt treatments. Was the house really a funeral home? Yes. Daryl Kern, the former owner of the Southington home, confirmed that the prior to purchasing the property in the 1980s, it had served as the Hallahan Funeral Home for multiple decades. All right, so let's go to the next video. Here we go. All right, Al, you say strange things were happening to you and Carmen at night when you were in bed. In order to fully understand, we want you to show us what happened. We have a bed here today that okay. is about the size of the bed, which was in the house. So we're going to set the scene. Now, you're about ready to tuck in for the night when all of a sudden you hear music like this. What happened next? Well, Sally, the music would wake me up at night. I'd be sound asleep. I would, I would hear the music playing, and I would say to myself, what is that? And, and I would lie there for five or 10 minutes and listen to it. Along with the music, I could hear uh, three or four voices. They were uh, older men uh, chatting back and forth, back and forth. What did you initially think the music was? It sounded like uh, or, or. Oh, 30s music from a, an old uh, Victrola player. Uh, he thought someone was in the house when all of this was going on. and he. I, I started, I, I used to get up every night, go down the stairs. I, first couple times, I would just go down and start looking. But each time I went down, I started getting more and more nervous and, and, and afraid for some reason. I started bringing a, uh, a baseball bat with me. I started going through the boys' room through the, uh, uh, the, uh, the coffin room area where the chain uh, body now, lift was. No in. one is playing the radio, and the oh, boys are asleep, and they're the, in there. Everybody bed. would be sound asleep. 
It got to the point where I was, I, I got so afraid when I was going down there, I started bringing a gun with me. And one night I woke Carmen up, I said, Carmen, I said, uh, I gotta stop doing this. I'm afraid I'm gonna shoot one of our children. Wow. He was really afraid that one of the kids would be standing up in the room when he'd go around the corner. And he would fire because he was so frightened sure. himself. And he'd come back up and to get into bed. Now, when we used to get into bed, it only happened to us not Separately. at the same Yeah, we Separately. were never not awake the at the time. same time. But the bed would begin to vibrate. And it would be a, a gentle vibration at first. And it got worse and worse. There were other things that happened. The bed is as Kelly said, had a pulse and a heartbeat. Like a heartbeat, yeah. And when, when you were in your bed, it would come and lift the covers and tug at them. But there was a pulse and a heartbeat in the bed. In the bed, and, and you could feel it. Someone else could go up and touch it and feel it. People that had not lived in the house. And we had this thing that would walk around the bed. It had really small feet, like a cat. All right, not really sure why the audio didn't sync up with their voices, but it's an old-ass YouTube video, so I don't give a fuck. All right. Plus, we fixed our YouTube problem coming up in the future, so I'm very happy. So I love how they bring the bed on stage. <laughs> you know, I mean, did we really need that? You know, I guess they wanted to be more dramatic. Oh, my God. Apparently, you need they the bed on guy, stage. They should have had a guy walking around in, like, in a sheet. <laughs> Uh, one of these videos is when the fighting starts between the people oh, that live there after. Okay. Oh, my God. All right, so a couple more of these questions. Did the mom really not know that the house was formerly a funeral home? Depends on who you ask. Miss Carmen Snedeker, the real Sarah Campbell, claims, as depicted in the movie, that she was never informed the house had been used as a funeral home. Carmen said that she had not been in the basement due to renovation materials blocking the stairway and only found the embalming equipment after they moved in. However, the former owner and their in-house neighbor claimed the family was fully informed of the situation prior to being rented. Did the mop water turn bloody red? Yes. According to the real mother herself, Carmen Reed, then Carmen Snedeker, the mop water was blood red and I mean deep, deep red. It made my skin crawl. I started getting nervous that I was ruining the floor. So the mom that made all this shit up said that, and so you're cool with that. Okay, okay, mm -hmm. Rick Asuna. <laughs> Did the dishes put themselves away? Yes. While the movie depicts the occurrence happening to the eldest son, Philip, the Discovery Channel documentary reveals that it actually happened to the mother. Everything happened to the mother. I thought I was losing my mind. Carmen recalled, I know I set the table, but the dishes weren't there. Can I get a ghost to put my dishes away? I know, for real. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Toby! <laughs> All right. Let's go to the next video. I don't know if this is when the fighting starts, but the fighting's coming. We had some researchers come in uh, on the night that I discovered that there were other entities in the house. I called some people called the Warrens. Uh, someone at work had told me that she believed the things my children were telling me was true, and she asked me to go to uh, Ed and Lorraine's museum with her. She gave me their number to call and, and make an appointment. I never did. I just kept the number in my wallet. That night I called it. And did they help you? They stayed with us for nine weeks. Nine weeks? Nine weeks, every night. Every night. 
And, and there was also somebody else who went in and documented all this? The re they're researchers. They had three researchers that came in the house and stayed nine and a half weeks. They worked during the day. They did not accept any pay for what they did for us. And they experienced phenomena from the very first night they walked into our house. Some, so you know definitely that it is a male spirit? No, they, there is no gender in the spirit's world. There's, uh, these were called incubus and, and succubus, succubus, but I'll let the researchers tell you more about that later on. Later, we're going to meet the Ghostbusters who helped Carmen and her family, but next, the neighbors. We found, while investigating this case, who say, gee, they don't believe a word of the Snedeker story. All right, not quite sure if I have the fight on there, but yeah, the neighbors came on Sally Jassy to say, hey, you're wrong. Why? This is what you're doing with your life? Right. Ugh. Why are the the neighbors? Right. The, or the people um, that owed it after. Okay. But, but still, even, right. like, who gives a fuck what these people are doing? Stay in your lane, people. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's like Oma Sally was, like, doing Jerry Springer before yeah. Jerry Springer. <laughs> so I was looking up on Google Maps, and it's only, um, the house is only, like, three, three a little over three hours away from me. Oh. Could it be? Yeah. Yeah. Did a niece really live with the family? Niece Tammy. According to the real life niece Tammy, my mother and my father were divorcing. It just didn't work out too well, so my aunt called and invited me to come with them. We were pretty close. Did the younger brother really spin around the gurney? Yes. My brother actually had me lay down on the gurney in the morgue and didn't oh, tell me what it scene. was. Yeah. It did freak me out really bad, but I didn't want to run because of my older brother. You know, I had to look tough for my older brother. And was wasn't that in the movie like, yeah. as he was spinning around, she was seeing like the ghost or something? Yeah. Yeah. Did the lights flicker without light bulbs? Yes. According to the middle son, Bradley, the lights were coming on and off and on and off, even though there were no bulbs in it. Did the real Matt Campbell see things because of the side effects? No. His mother, Carmen Reed, asked his oncologist about the possibility of visual side effects. He said there was no chance of him having hallucinations or delusions with the medication he was on. Did the son really sleep in the basement? Yes. Philip Snedeker slept in the basement with the brother, Bradley. Since the upstairs rooms were smaller, it was the only room they could accommodate the teens. The two brothers slept in the casket display room down the hall from the former embalming room. Alright, so that's all the dumb questions I have for that. So, so where are the Snedekers? Uh, so they obviously they divorced. Um, I think you... the dad died. I'm not 100% okay. sure if that was the Philip Snedeker I saw, but I'm pretty sure he passed. Okay. And uh, any, did the son um, beat the Hodgkin's disease, do we know? Or... I know he went into remission, but I don't know what okay. happened a few years after. Yeah. So I'm going to do some yeah. research and find do some homework. social media. Yeah. I, I looked, they couldn't find any confirming. So let's go to the final talk show. The final countdown. Carmen and their family about a chilling story. They wrote a book about it called In a Dark Place, the story of a true haunting. And they wrote this book along with Ed and Lorraine Warren. Who have been with us before they are the professional ghostbusters who alan carmen said saved their lives ed you both launched an investigation into the house and you discovered a very shocking thing that actually happened in the funeral parlor involving the bodies what happened well we feel through our investigation 
that necrophilia or abuse of corpses had occurred in that home. Not necessarily by the undertaker, it could be anybody that went in there. Now this case is not as isolated as these three people would have us think. We have over 70 cases very similar to the Snedekers. And remember that the church was involved in this. Who was the priest? Everyone seems okay. to have a disagreement. We can tell you that the chancellery was involved. The priest that was involved, there was a Father A who was on 2020. And there was also three other priests, and this can be borne out through the official records of the chancellery in Hartford. Yes. How about a name? Just one name. Father A, a is a name I give you. I don't have give to give a name, you a name. A full name. I, give I, you I can a prove. Name. These are secret things. We it's, are Catholic, if it's and we secret. Respect. You're sitting here talking about being raped and sodomized by some sort of entity, right. but you won't give a name. Up. It was I'm all backed you up. I'm telling you what happened to me. I'm not telling you. You've got to believe me. We had investigators. I'm telling you what Were you in the house? No. I was standing. I lived across the street before you. Were you in the house? Still lived there. One of the ones that came around the house go boo boo through the window. No. Once you guys started doing this, it got to the paper. Sounds like so. Oh, oh, very likely. You're probably one of the guys I chased like, down the street. I'd like to know how much you Why would I run all the way down the street? Especially you the are getting paid off by the landlord to do this kind of stuff. Because you, you know, know as well as we do. You know as well as we do that oh, what, what sure. went on in that house actually occurred. We have the proof. We have people out here, investigators, who went through the, the same things oh, as the Snedekers. Ed, <clears throat> I don't know what really went, what happened in the house and what didn't, but I lived next to the house for over 25 years, and I haven't been in there in over 15 years, but I do know that when they moved into the house, there was no sign that said Hallahan Funeral Home. It, Thank the you. sign exists. It is, there. you know, to the right side of the door, but it was covered with plywood for years now. It's been covered up ever since the Hallahans moved out. It does not say Hallahan's Funeral Home on it anymore. And people moved into the home after the Snedekers left and left very quickly after they did before they moved in. Okay, so, so there was an interim family that you oh, yeah. think was disturbed too. Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, I have a question. Um, Jeff's another neighbor. As you know, well, as you said before, your son was cancer, had cancer, and he was taking many drugs. Yes. Did he or did he not tell you that he was also taking other illegal substances? I'm aware that he did take other illegal because substances. He used to come over to our house and tell us that whatever we wanted, we could get and whatnot. He also I don't know what he told you, and I'm not aware of his, his teenage boyhoods, but I did take him to a psychologist, remember, That's and right. I did have a great deal of interest in what happened to my son, and he has grown up a great deal, and he told the psychologist, and to this day, will still tell you, there were ghosts in the house. But how I you think not? that these are all very contributing factors to why the phenomena was as intense as it was in that particular home. Maybe but realize the, the ghost didn't like the use of drugs. Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> drugs, drugs heighten the sensitivity. We know that when a person takes drugs, they're almost in the same state as a clairvoyant. But if you ask the gentleman who's sitting right over there, who spent nine weeks in the house, what he had also had happened to him, similar attacks. Where's as the gentleman? Right. right there. Yes. What happened to you? We were there for nine and a half weeks trying to help Carmen and Snedeker. When we go in on these cases, we have to document... Who's we? The researchers. I work with Ed and Lorraine doing their investigating. I'm one of the persons that was in there for the nine and a half weeks. I'm amazed at hearing all these people that weren't even in the home. You weren't there. You weren't witness to it. Okay. A neighbor sitting here with a book, a whole journal, 
stating on what took place in this case. She documented things around the clock. Why don't you come over and see if you could help the family? Why don't you see if you could offer some help? You're saying there was no priest there. I know there was priests there. The Roman Catholic Church was involved with this. Now you want us to turn around and give you the name of the priest. He prefers to stay anonymous. They said was no, there. No, 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 he you said don't. he was no, you not don't. there. I said I have the newspaper, the newspaper. clipping with his name I've in it. I've never publicized And he one said time. that he was not there. But Can they I see it? Published. They also published that they were not writing a book and were not going to we write a book. We worked at the time, lady. We well, were approached sure two years we, later. We insisted that it would be good for them to write a book because people like these out here would know that there is help for them if this ever occurred to them. Oh, man. That was great. <laughs> I love that Karen in the last uh, few seconds with her notebook. Documenting the whole thing from your house? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Find something to fucking do. Fucking mm -hmm. white people. That anyway. So now the people on the stage to the left of the Warren. Behind them the were the neighbors. The two up front were the kids. Right. Okay, and then the people, then they had neighbors in, in the, the audience. audience yeah. Okay, which I thought very weird. They had the kids separated. Right. You know? Like, why are you on? Maybe the they just ran out of room when Ed and Lorraine came out. The, I don't know. Um, the guy to the right of Ed, do you know who that was? Was that like another investigator? He's he's a uh, cynic or um, what's the word? Uh, a non-believer. Okay. So okay, gotcha. The, you know, back. So and then forth. he then he should have been on the other side. Right, he should have been up with the the family that lived there that has all these problems with them telling the story. Why do you fucking care? Right, that was uh, that was great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm adding one to the bullshit meter for him saying when you're high, you're on the same <laughs> level as a comedian. Oh, number eight. Number eight. Ding ding. Yeah, guys. So, what do you guys think? Um, I'm calling bullshit on this whole thing. Here's my yeah. here's my lineage why. The mother controlled the entire narrative. Yeah. Through everything we read, everything we just watched, the mother told the story. The kid was talking, the mother cut him off. The fucking husband was talking, the mother cut him off. Yeah. yeah. You see, yeah. I'm sorry, but if you were sodomized by a ghost, are you going on the Sally Jesse Raphael show? No, I would go on Jerry Springer. Find out. Or before Jerry Springer, it would have been Morton Downey Jr. Yeah. <laughs> or who uh, who did the Who's Your Daddy? Was that? Well, yeah, but Maury wasn't popular then, you know. Mm. Um, she They would go on later Maury, not early Maury. Like when they had My Out of Control Teen Needs to Go to Boot Camp. Oh, yeah, yeah. Before it was all <laughs> Who's Your Daddy. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, that was really good because you know that's the first time like you know i was looking for those interviews so it's great that you found them yeah. and uh makes me want to re-watch uh the haunting in connecticut now they made a sequel to it it um, takes place in louisiana though yeah so it didn't yeah. make any fucking sense right right i don't know so but it's a good the movie itself is good and oh I remember, fantastic movie i remember the a and the e documentary haunting and that creeped me out yeah i mean I miss those shows. The, would a funeral people. home be haunted, though? I would think it would be. Why? Because they say, like, your spirit is where you die. No one died at a funeral home. 
true, but well, according to Ed, a necrophilia took place there. Yeah. <laughs> Like, how does he know? Did the spirits tell him that? Like, Yeah, and some of the files that I've seen before but are now behind a paywall, they are saying that seances were pulled off in this house. But who? that's from the foreign files, so who the fuck yeah. knows? I'm surprised Tony Spiro wasn't, like, a plant in the, uh, in the, audience? In the audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, why is it behind a paywall? Like, th- this yeah. isn't new research. This isn't new content. I mean, it's like us putting our fucking Friday the 13th filming locations behind a paywall. Go fuck right. yourself. Right. Oh, or, that irritated you know, the shit out of me. Exclusive content. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> Join our Patreon and pay us money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so what's next? Uh, next, um, I haven't decided between the Smurl House or the Enfield Poltergeist. Ooh, yeah. We'll see what I can... I'm home, so we might do the Enfield, because there's going to be a lot of shit we could probably find on that. I'm already thinking of a story to do once we do the Warren. Um, It's actually a true crime in two senses. Um, It's a case that made Gerardo Rivera very famous when he went to... Offhand, I can't think of the name of the Institute, but... A doctor gave him a key and him and the cameraman went in and exposed the world to the horrors that were going on at um, the asylum, basically like a Woodbine State School or something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> happened in Long Island. And then um, 10 years later, kids started getting killed and they would they thought it was one of the residents that lived there because a lot of those residents became homeless and this whole thing is they named the killer cropsy inspired the villain for the burning which is a famous like friday the 13th type movie which tom savini decided to work on instead of friday 13th part two yeah and it was actually jason alexander's first uh film role yeah i've I've heard of Cropsy. There's a movie about yeah. Cropsy. A docu- very good documentary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's on Netflix and Tubi. It's everywhere. I've probably, yeah. I've probably watched it like three times. I've, really I've started it once, but I don't remember if I finished. I'll, I'll have to go back. It's very good. So I, that was the one that I want to do when we're done all the Warren. So does that place um, still stand or do they tear it down? Yeah, I forget. You know, I we'll think. Yeah, I think it might be torn down. I mean, after 40-some years, 50 years now. So, um, but the story is just really good. I mean, just seeing how those places were during that time frame. Like, my mom worked in those types of places during that time frame, and she can vouch of all the stuff that she saw because there was no oversight from the state. Yeah. Yeah. There's nobody Um, coming in to make sure everything's good. Right. Yeah, so uh, I think that'd be an interesting one because I can definitely find some clips. Definitely the Harada ones you can get. Yeah, and we can we can put them on there and um, maybe some clips from the killing of the little kids. Yeah. So, all right. Well, very good. All well, right. Makes me, makes me want to go watch the Haunting of Connecticut tonight. Yeah, guys, make but... sure you check that out. This was a fun episode. Uh, we're hit the hour mark soon, but make sure you subscribe. We're on this crazy train. If I win this eBay bid, 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, please, um, you know, thank you for the views. But if you can, you know, share it with your friends that like horror in all aspects, it would be greatly appreciated because we really want to build up this channel. Um, you know, we have like almost like almost like 100 likes on that Friday 13th video, which is really awesome. Oh, do we? And, cool. and we're getting good. We're getting a good steady views for the other episodes. Like the warm one was great. Yeah. The other morning when I woke up, the views were six six six. Yeah, that was funny. Awesome. Yeah, but, we're you know, pushing. We... Tell your friends we cover not just horror but anything fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So anything closing out? Let me see. Anything coming up for me in the upcoming weeks? No. The only thing I'm looking forward to is August. I have the NJ Horror Con in Edison. I'm going solo because Irene doesn't want to go. So, mm-hmm. so well, it's all right. I hear you. Yeah, I don't know what we're up to. Uh, we got to work on our ribs dinner. I want to make some ribs. Hell yeah. Let's, let's oh, you know, it's funny you say that because I was just thinking about that the other day. I'm like, Jared should be uh, reaching out to me for some ribs soon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I owe Brian Copin some too. So maybe we'll do a joint dinner. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> And then um, we can talk about with him. Yeah, you know? that's a good yeah. idea. Uh, yeah. All right, let me start looking at some dates. Yeah, definitely. All I right. know Irene has something going on. The um, I think the like the last weekend. It's either I think it's the Fourth of July or the weekend after Fourth of July. She's going back to North Jersey. Uh, maybe we can get it done before that. Okay. You guys good with Sundays or? Saturday depends, nights are easier. Saturdays are best because it depends like what time we get done on Sunday. Yeah. It's an hour and a minute drive. I'm an old man. Yeah, you're a bitch. That's okay. But uh, uh <laughs> no, that makes sense though. I get you. Yeah. And who knows where I'm at Monday. So all right, we're gonna wrap this up, guys. This has been the hall Jesus. The horror shed podcast. <laughs> yeah, that, there's too many H's. Too yeah. many H's. Guys, we come out every Monday. Make sure you like, subscribe. We're going to continue the Warrens for a couple more weeks. But uh, it's leading up to something. And we'll see what that is soon. So we will see you later.